Hello and welcome to another episode of Gary Talks, where I, Gary Kelly, talk to people in business about their journey and the discoveries they made and the memorable learning experiences that they encountered. This week, I'm joined by Alma McGrath, co-founder of Med Aesthetics, which was set up in 2018. Alma and I actually grew up near each other, but I never met her before. Uh, maybe it's because we both went to different schools. She went to Bushy Park. But finally, we did get to meet and I thoroughly enjoyed it. In this episode, Alma talks about working on cruise ships, living in Australia, working for one of the top dermatologists in Beverly Hills. Uh, she also talks about the importance of protecting our skin and the right sunscreen that we should use because there's a lot of ones out there that we shouldn't be using. And she talks about work-life balance, developing new skills, moving back to Ireland, buying state-of-the-art new technology. She explains Botox to me, a discussion I never thought I'd be having with a woman, but I learned a lot. And she talks about the importance of accountability as well. It's a really fun podcast and I probably talk too much in it, so apologies in advance. But my thanks to Alma for being so open and honest and for sharing her amazing story and explaining the key elements she put in place that helped her business scale so quickly. Sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media podcast. Alma McGrath, thank you for joining us on Gary Talks today. Thank you for having me. And I can't believe that I know you're a Galway girl. But you actually grew up across the road from me <laughs> and I never knew it. Yeah. Were you Bush Park as well? No. Myself and Niall went to Bush Park, actually. And Niall McNerney is your business partner? Yeah. He is co-founder of Metastatics and he's a consultant plastic surgeon. And the area that you focus more so in then is just aesthetics. Exactly. And how would you define aesthetics? It's aligned with beauty and creative expression. And so, I mean, how does that tie into what we do? Everybody that sits in our chair is naturally beautiful. I think it's our job to find out what makes them beautiful. So is it their eyes? Is it their smile? Is it their cheeks? And, you know, obviously over time, some of those things can fade. So it's our job to refresh them, keeping the patient looking exactly like themselves, but just a little enhancement, a little tweakment is like I like to call it. So I always fear going to like the dentist because the dentist will notice things straight away about your teeth that you may not have noticed. Or a friend of mine started studying psychology and became a psychotherapist. And I noticed I would subconsciously I was distancing myself from her because I thought, I'm going to say something, but she's going to know what I really mean or things I didn't even know that I meant, but I meant. And uh, this is going to be weird. She's going to know my inner thoughts. So when you meet someone, do you know straight away? It's so funny, like none of my friends, when we go out for dinner, they don't want to sit opposite me because they think that I'm counting up how many units of Botox they need. And uh, it's hard to switch off. I am always looking and that's just part of my job. And it's not judgment. It's how can I how can I make them their best self and how can I enhance them? It's, it's not judgment. Definitely not. I love what I do and I would do it for free. That's how I know I'm in the realm I'm supposed to be in, but definitely no judgment. But yes, hard to switch off. So what would you say looking at me is my best feature? We'll go with the positives. Um, you've great skin, by the by. You've great skin and lovely blue eyes. I think that we could do a little bit of skincare beginning, mm -hmm. very basic. Not sure what kind of a regiment you have. We haven't discussed that, <laughs> but definitely some sunscreen. And maybe just even a little BBL or IPL, which is really great for the color and the texture of the skin. So reds and browns. When we see reds and browns on the skin, we know there's a little bit of damage. And we have a device in the practice. Is this a laser device? Because I've, I've seen pictures online. I don't know where it is on my face now because I, I'm not in front of a mirror, but there's some slight kind of brown stain on my face. Yes. And I came across photos online with a laser treatment that I think you do as well. 
and it literally gets rid of all those. They look like stains on the face. Yeah, essentially pigmentation or sun damage. So the particular device that I was recommending for you is called BBL. It's not actually a laser. It's a light source and it can actually break up that pigment. It can remodel collagen, which is great. So it thickens up the skin. So that red that we're seeing a little bit on your skin, you probably don't notice it. But that's just a fragility here on the higher points of your face, which probably have had a little bit more sun exposure. If we look underneath here, like there's a contrast and I'm pointing to his underneath his chin. Where yeah, because I'm lucky I have like four chins, so <laughs> there's plenty of cover down there. <laughs> Not at all. But you also have a beard, so that camouflage is a little bit in terms of you don't get as much sun exposure in those areas. So it's why the higher points typically get the most exposure and the most damage. I, d- I just want to stay on the thing of sunscreen because I was talking about the pigment there on my face. And about two years ago, I went to a, a plastic surgeon who removed a mole on, I'm trying to think where it was now. It's it's so weird because at the time I was so aware of this mole and now that it's gone, I'm trying to figure out on my face roughly where it was. But he took it off and everything was fine, thank God. But he said to me at the time, he says, you need to put on factor 50 anymore on your face, even in Ireland. I thought, that's a bit extreme because I remember years ago going on holidays with friends, we go to the Canary Islands and the first week, had started, or even the first few days had started off good at what was factor 30 and then moved down to factor 15. Now, we didn't, didn't go as extreme as them. They were putting on oil for the last week, which is literally just like water. And they were fried and they were delighted. And there's an Irish history there of loving getting a bit of sun and coming back and everyone knowing you were on holidays because you got a tan. But I was surprised at how adamant he was that I put on factor 50. My father had something similar on his nose then more recently. And again, he was given the same advice. You mentioned sunscreen and like is because we're in Ireland, we're always given off. It's rainy, it's cloudy. Is sunscreen that important here? Absolutely. I always say if it's light out, if there's, you know, if it's daytime, you have to wear your sun protecting factor. And the type of sun protecting factor is really important as well. Like a lot of patients will sit in our chair and they're like, I'm wearing a 50. But, you know, they still are showing lots of signs of damage. And yes, a lot of it is formulated in your younger years and maybe they weren't so protective at that point. But 50 can mean nothing. It can be a chemical SPF and it isn't actually protecting you again against the aging rays and so that's why we stress the importance of what kind of factor you're using to make sure it's a physical factor there's a physical block so it's actually reflecting the uv light so it's light so that's what's causing the damage it doesn't matter if it's raining or if it's cloudy if it there's light in the sky you must protect yourself and something people don't always know as well is that you must reapply and so people will go out, especially when they're on vacation, and they'll just pop on a little bit of SPF and assume that that's it done. You have to continue to reapply. We'll just say if you come into work, you should be putting on your sunscreen 15 minutes before you hit the road. And then if you are going out for a run, reapply again in the afternoon and same on your journey home. I know it sounds like a lot and a lot of people are not doing it. They've come so far with sunscreens. Uh, We now have this powder one which guys love, like it's just a dusting. So if they're golfing even and they don't want to take out to reapply and get it on their hands, they can just dust. Or if, especially for men or babies, if they have a little ball spot and you don't want to put sunscreen in your hair, you can just dust a little bit. But I know, but it's a physical block. Well, what's the problem with SPF is there's a chemical SPF which is Useless, basically, is it? Essentially, yes. There's two types of sunscreens and one with zinc. And so zinc is the physical one and it's the one I recommend to all our patients. It's really anti-inflammatory, but there's also ones that you can pick up in the grocery store and they typically are a chemically formulated sunscreen that do create inflammation and damage on the skin in itself. And then you go out and expose yourself to UV rays and, and then we have all sorts of problems. So you're talking to a fella now. What I need to be doing is looking for a sunscreen with zinc in it. Is that it? Yeah, zinc oxide. And what about taking the tablet? Uh, Sorry, above 18%. No, you do need a topical. Remember, reflecting the light. And and there's all sorts of problems with absorption of those. Are you absorbing everything within that supplement? So no, I would say you need a physical block. And, you know, there's these things as well saying that sunscreen isn't safe. Is it safe, do you think? If it's in its physical form. So when you're using it, Zinc is quite a natural form, so there's no harsh chemicals in it. It's very safe. I would put it on a baby. Okay, that's mad. So then go back to me talking about the canaries. Like, are we really bad as 
Irish people, let's say, because we're based in Ireland, are we really bad with actually protecting our skin and giving our skin the respect that it needs? I think we've come a long way. I'm seeing it all the time. The one thing patients are using is sunscreen. Is it the right sunscreen? Possibly not. But I think there's more awareness for sure now than when I, I lived here 15 years ago. So definitely, I think we're getting better. There's more awareness for sure. And when you were young, was your parents covering you up in sunscreen? Absolutely not. You know, maybe a little bit. And was it something that we just gotten in the grocery store? Yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't a physical block. I definitely have used oil myself when in my younger teens, like I definitely have. So I'm not saying I was always perfect. I've done a lot to correct my skin, a lot to correct the damage in my skin. And I used to be the sunscreen police. Like all my friends would hate hanging out with me because I'd be like put on the sunscreen, reapply. I, I kind of have chilled out, I think, a little bit. I always say to patients, protect your skin, reapply when you think about it, but don't go crazy. And enjoy your vacation. There's loads of things that we can do when you return. We can do the BBLs like one or two a year or even three, depending on the level of damage that's done to your skin. So just be sun smart. Wear your hat, wide brim. Make sure your sunglasses. A lot of people pick up cheap sunglasses. And I, I, I've never heard this, but I had an idea and a theory that the sun with a cheap sunglass just penetrated the dark, the black. So we know that sun is more attractive to the black. And I feel like, you know, you can find a melanoma in the back of the eye and we'll never know by the time we discover. So again, I, I just think that wearing really good polarized sunglasses, spend money on them, a wide brim hat. I find that it's not enough just to have a baseball cap. I don't wear a hat at all. Do you not? No, and I should. I know, yeah, they're kind of annoying. At the, where the hair used to be, but it decided to recede on me. <laughs> Yeah, it's important because I find sometimes even you could have the hat on and the sunglasses, but you're in the pool and you might be reading a book in the pool or whatever you do. But the actual reflection of the water mm. comes up and sometimes we see um, some like along the jawline and here and along the neck, we can see kind of ploicheoderma, like the red and the brown kind of staining and pigment as well. So, so <laughs> sorry not yeah. to pry, but if you're on sun holidays, do you... Because I'm a sun worshipper. Would you go all out in the sun or would you be more inclined to stay in the shade? So I used to really stay in the shade. And um, well, I went from being very, very tan and then being very, very white for a long period of time while I worked in dermatology in the US. I just was seeing so much so much damage and so much melanoma. And of course, you know, we are not on par. We don't have the same level of strength in the sun, but I've kind of relaxed a little bit. I do reapply all the time and I like to be, I am always traveling. I'm, I'm just got back from Burning Man in the desert in oh, 55 wow. degree weather. I'm going to Columbia for Christmas. I, I'm out there and I like to hike and I like to be active and I'm very adventurous. And so I try not worry about it. I think I, I obsessed for a long time and I'm much better now. So I have a balance. I think balance is where you need to strike. Excellent. Let's go back in time. How did a young Galway girl go on this adventure? Like what got you into beauty, dermatology, aesthetics? So I worked on cruise ships, which actually changed the course of my life. I worked on cruise ships, traveled all over the world on the cruise ships, and I met an American man on there. We were married and we've since divorced. So that's how I really landed in America. So from the cruise ships, I went on to Australia and then he joined me out there and then he was going to college out there. And once he finished, we moved back to his hometown and that was in Tucson, Arizona. So that's kind of how I landed there. And again, I just. And what did you do on the cruise ships? I was in the beauty salon uh, on the cruise ship. Because so. I've heard people who've worked on cruise ships and they had the most amazing times of their 20s. And then there's others who just hated it. I loved it. I think it was great for my career. Um, really taught me how to work hard. And I was almost running my own columns. So I feel like I felt like it was my own business at the end of the day. You only made money if you worked. And I only did one contract. There was girls on there doing their fifth, sixth contracts, but I always had a plan. My plan was to make as much money as I possibly could and then move on to Australia with the rest of my friends. That was part of my journey. Because is this during the time when everyone from Ireland was moving yeah. to Oz? Pretty much. Yeah, definitely. The, yeah, you couldn't walk down the street without bumping someone from home. So that's kind of 
how I ended up in America. So you intended to land in Australia, but you ended up in America, is it? Well, I was in Australia for two years, actually. So, you know, still doing all of the backpacking experience, but I was working. And that's kind of where I started to dip my toe into aesthetics. I started working in a practice that had retin-A's and retinols. And there was a physician there that provided anti-wrinkle Botox fillers, that sort of thing. So I really felt like actually Australia was ahead of the game in terms of Ireland and England. Not so much America, but that's where I started to kind of become really fascinated with aesthetics and from there as I mentioned my husband at the time he had to go home to graduate and so I was like hey well I'm not going home to Ireland there was a recession here actually at the time so I was like no not going back there so it was 2010 so I just went on for my next adventure. How different were the people in Australia to Western America? Yeah I mean have you lived in Australia? I've never been to Australia. I've been to the West Coast and East Coast of the States and I find them very different either side, but I've never been to Australia. I've never had it, to be honest, I've never had a huge desire to go to Australia. Yeah, and I have no draw to go back, actually. I mean, we had such a great time. Beautiful country. Yeah, great people. I've still have some great friends that I met there and that came to my wedding, actually. So great people. I mean, if you said I have a free first class ticket to go to Australia tomorrow, I would go. But um, and there's places I would love to go back and see. But it's not I have no draw currently. Maybe when I'm older, who knows? But it, it, it was it was a great time. I mean, we were in South America for three months prior. We were in New Zealand. We were in Fiji. And then we did Southeast Asia on the way back. So, oh, my God, I, we had such a great time. But of all those countries there, where would you have happily settled down and what would have been your little paradise? Out of all the places I've ever been, LA. All right. I really just felt like I stepped into my power when I was living in LA. And I think I was, you know, I, I just was on a journey and I really discovered, I'm always discovering who I am, but I really discovered who I was in LA. I just found my little group, my tribe. I was doing kundalini yoga every day. Yeah, because I was in LA, as I was telling you there before we started recording for my honeymoon, and I was, I always wanted to go to LA. And before we went there, we had booked Disneyland and Universal Studios being a big film buff. But I was very surprised and obviously probably naive that I was lucky enough to grow up in a privileged environment where I didn't see a lot of poverty immediately around me. So I was just so surprised to see the amount of homelessness in L.A. because the L.A. that I knew from movies and TV was glam and glitz and so on. So I felt a sadness for the a lot of the people there because, again, I thought that it's a place where people went there with dreams like I would have had, but they... They had the oomph to go out there and do it. I didn't. But for many of them, those dreams never came true and they just stayed there. And, and again, it's probably like the Irish who went to London years ago to kind of make a proper living for themselves because they couldn't. And it didn't work out for many of them. And, you know, some of them felt shamed or guilty that they didn't get this whole lifestyle that maybe their family at home thought they had and they never returned home and you know, Ryanair flights back then either. So it wasn't as easy to travel. And yeah, there, you know, some, sometimes when people do go away or abroad to make a, a name for themselves and it never works out, it's, it's sad when it really doesn't work out for them at all. Sure. And then they, and then they don't have the support, the family support. Like mm -hmm. we all need that support and a group or a community and it might be family, it might be friends. And I think, oh yeah, there was so much homelessness in LA. And just walking down to my local coffee shop, like every morning I would see the same guy and he was living in a box and he would give me a hug, a big hug every morning. But as I was standing there listening to him talk to himself, I could hear he was still stuck in his story about making it. And, you know, he had said that he was a former musician. And have you ever seen a movie with Jamie Foxx, The Soloist? No. It's a an amazing movie about Skid Row. Anyway, it's an amazing movie, but again, mental health. And he, it, when it didn't go your way, he had nobody to pick up the pieces, I suppose. And so then you just become homeless. And yeah, really very sad. Yeah. And what, what did you like about LA? Because I do think it is the extremes of poverty and wealth. So the hotel we were staying in just behind it was Venice Beach. And 95% of the people walking along Venice Beach looked perfect like models, stunning. <laughs> um, 
and I I would have felt huge pressure if I was ever to move to a place like that trying to look good all the time certainly when you have kids your priorities on your yourself physically you can't put in the same effort or time as you used to in your 20s like so I was intimidated by the amount of beauty around LA what about yourself because you were working in that industry as I was well. I was working in Beverly Hills with lots of celebrities so oh you must have stories <laughs> I do was I intimidated no I don't think so I was curious and fascinated but you know a, a lot of my friends are very successful in LA but I find them really down to earth and my tribe of people that love to do yoga and love to meditate. So I, yes, I spent my working day in Beverly Hills, which was a huge contrast to what I went home to then, was very different. And I think who I surrounded myself with kind of kept me very grounded. Is there more of a work-life balance then in LA, is it? Yeah, definitely. Because the traffic is so bad, I ended up starting my day kind of around noon. And then I worked till probably eight or nine. So then in the morning, I would kind of I'd either do a run up through the Hollywood Hills or I'd walk down to a yoga class or I'd go for a hike. I mean, in the morning, so I'd get my workout done. I'd have a really relaxed. Now, it wasn't always like that. I worked crazy hours in one job for a very famous dermatologist. And then I started to work with another particular clinic and I found more of a work-life balance and I was working only three to four days a week which was great still making the same amount of money which was amazing so it gave me so much time to work on the business because I actually was working on the business alongside of like doing our websites and that sort of thing while I was still in LA so because that's interesting as well because a lot of people when they run a business and it's say a trade you know you're trying to do all that kind of physical work Monday to Friday and then what happens then is at the weekends on the Friday or Saturday or the Saturday or Sunday, they're trying to do the administration type work and they're not even thinking about websites or brochures or social media or anything like that, where I suppose it's kind of clever what you were doing. You were doing three or four days of the craft and then the rest of the week on the business. Yeah. And on myself as well, I think for sure. Yeah. And when you say on yourself, was that just in terms of health and exercise or was that actually learning more about maybe marketing or leadership or business plans? Um, I was, I, I, you know, in my spare time, I was going to conferences like I did a conference with uh, Tony Robbins and Gary Vee and those kind of things. So I really, when I think back of LA, like it was really where I was learning about myself as well. And yeah, so I was doing the yoga and I actually came back to Ireland and I actually did yoga teacher training because I was so inspired there. Again, just to deepen my practice. I, I don't, I don't, you know, run any classes or anything like that. So, and then of course, working on the business as well, which kind of procedures we were going to have, which treatments we were going to have. And obviously, you know, I wasn't always going to be a business partner, which is, I think, doing the work and self-care is really important and it allows me to be, you know, it allows me to connect better with my patients, allows me to have more compassion. I really got into meditation really deeply in LA. Everybody's meditating and I was vegan and so many things. And the meditation is just a tool for me that I use every day. And that helps me within business. So even though I wasn't like, like going off and learning and doing new treatments. Uh, of course, actually I was because I was working in a very famous dermatology practice. And so I was watching him and that was my goal. I didn't go into LA. I always knew I was going to have my own practice and I always knew it was going to be in, L in Ireland because the market was so saturated in LA and you'd need loads of money to set up shop there. It's saturated. I mean. Was it saturated when you even went there or? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yes, it definitely was. So I, even in Arizona where I was, it was so much more conservative in Arizona. There was one in every corner. And it was just kicking off. And I felt, for me, it was much more important for me to actually come home and bring all the knowledge that I had learned over there and bring it home to, I felt I was probably a small fish in a big pond over there, whereas here, aesthetics was really in its infancy when I came home. So I feel like 
I knew we were going to hit the ground running. I had colleagues fly over from the US to train Niall in some really advanced techniques. She was like top five injectors in the US. That for me was huge. We had friends and family as guinea pigs and that kind of got the business started. We invested in pieces of equipment, which are very expensive. And those are the lasers and stuff that we touched on a little bit earlier. How did you invest in them? So myself and my husband at the time had savings and Niall also invested. And we also had another business partner at the time as well. Um, and he invested as well. So yeah, very, very generous and very trusting. Give me the money, spend it on a, mach- on a machine, on a device. But like, were you saving from even going all the way back to working on the cruise ships? No. So, so when did you know that I am going to set up my own business? So I actually came home in 2016 as well. Just a backstory, started the business in 2018 and in 2016 I came home and I actually started working with some other doctors. I knew I needed to be partnered with physicians and I knew I needed to be medically directed to actually have some of the products in the clinic that are prescription only. And I just, I had worked and came from plastic surgery and dermatology, so I really wanted to stay in that realm. And so I came back in 2016 and we were supposed to do a big fit out in another location and it just didn't work out. And I think that's that's okay. I'm exactly where I need to be right now. I'm really grateful. The business partnership worked out really, really well. Um, There's a lot of trust, a lot of respect. Yeah. Let's just go back to LA before we come back to the Emerald Isle. Because what I loved in, about LA was actually meeting some celebrities. So we got to go to a restaurant where Renee Zellweger was beside us, past Andy McDowell on the street. Conan was just in the barbers where I had gone and I was a big Conan O'Brien fan. Can you tell us about maybe some of the, I'm sure you don't want to name and shame anyone, but any nice celebrities that you met? Um, Yeah, I met Paris Hilton and she was lovely. Um, I didn't try on her engagement ring at the time. It was absolutely massive, but some of the staff were and she took photos with people. Jada Smith was in the practice. An interesting experience with her. I, you know, I didn't really connect too much with her. Can we talk about the Oscars? Yeah. We got Sky Cinema at home because, again, I love watching the Oscars. And the Oscars just gone. I couldn't stay awake. So I suppose when I watched it at a younger age, I used to just have like two, three litres of Coca-Cola or something like that. I respect my body more, so I wouldn't have that much sugar. But I couldn't stay awake. And my wife woke me up the next morning. She's like, oh, my God, what was with the smack? I'm like, what? What? I, I didn't see a smack. I don't remember anything. And then I watched it online. What I found interesting about it was how Will Smith was kind of smirking at the comment that Chris Rock had made. But then he had obviously, which we didn't see in the footage, he obviously saw the reaction of Jada Pinkett Smith. And that's when that whole violent reaction took place, where I personally think he was out of order to do what he did in physically hitting someone. Uh, because they didn't like what they said or there was a remark made. I think it would have been better if they got up and just walked out of the auditorium. I think it would have made a bigger statement. But just having met the woman, like, and I know she does podcasts and she's a formidable force and so on, like having come across her, how would you read what took place there in that room? Well, actually, I thought I was a little mistaken when I met her. I found her a little bit standoffish and I thought, oh, maybe it was me. Maybe I just came on too strong. Maybe I was being too friendly and annoying and she just wanted to have some downtime in in the clinic or whatever. And... And because then I listened to all her red tables or her, you know, are they the red table or round? Yes. And... She's making huge waves and I love the topics they talk about. But then, yeah, when I saw that smirk and then he looked back at her and her demeanor was very different Mm. and then his demeanor changed. So I knew there was something going on. But anyway, who am I to be discussing them? I don't know a whole pile about what's going on in their lives. I am in 100% agreement with you. I think leaving would have made a massive impact. I see him now. He's trying to get back on social media a little bit. Did you see what he posted? Kind of just trying to get his foot back into social media. And look, he has a very interesting story to tell as well. And I love Will Smith. Mm. I absolutely love him. He's one of those people that I probably would have actually, if you asked me, who would you love to meet? I would love to meet The Rock, Oprah and 
Will Smith. And yeah, so that was that was strange. Yeah, it's always interesting meeting people who have been in LA because uh, there's a guy I know who lives in Banlaslow, I think, in County Galway. And he used to be a limousine driver for a lot of the stars. And there is one particular actor who you think, oh, he'd be, he'd be more kind of 80s, 90s, bit of 70s. But you think, oh, wow, that must have been so cool. And he's like, oh, no, he was like the most horrible person in LA that I ever met. Just he was uh, so dismissive and egotistical and so on. And now when you see him in interviews talking about a movie that's out or he might be with the co-star, you're kind of, oh, yeah, I can see that arrogance there. It was quite interesting. But because he's still alive and he's a lot more money than I have, I'm not going to mention him. <laughs> okay, you threw me under the bus. You let me talk about Jada Smith. No, but I said only talk about nice people. Oh, okay. Sorry. But you said she was nice in the end, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I still really respect her and yeah. Because I, like I've met, um, I think it's when you meet people as well. I, like there's there's someone who we've done a lot of work with and would be very well known and he had just come home from a gig and walked in on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and there was his wife in her dressing gown and me at the kitchen table having a chat with her about marketing strategies and so on. And he was in no form to see Gary Kelly there in his <laughs> kitchen on a Sunday morning because he was wrecked. But it, again, it's, it's the impression there and then. But the guy's actually a really nice guy. So yeah, LA, you'd, you loved, you'd lived there and so on. So... I understand it was saturated market, but was the intention always to come back to Ireland or what kind of nudged you to make the move back home? Well, as I had mentioned, I tried to set up shop in 2016 and that didn't go according to plan and it just wasn't a right fit. Then I went back to LA and at that point I was actually like, no, I can actually stay here and maybe create a business here. But then a friend of mine gave me Niall's contact details and she knew what I was trying to do. She was my accountant back here in Goy and she knew that I was trying to set up this practice and she knew my plans and my concept. So yeah, I reached out to him. He had just got back from Toronto. He had kind of some of the same ideas surrounding aesthetics and having a clinic. Probably didn't have a whole pile of time to put into it. And so, yeah, he was all on board and it just kind of started to snowball from there. So I knew at that point it was the right time to come home. Also wanted to start a family and I wasn't going to raise kids in LA. So that's kind of what nudged me as well. And my husband at the time, he got a job in, in Europe, in Brussels and London at the time. So we were over and back and it just, it made sense. This is 2018 and that's when you set up Med Aesthetics. Yes, we were just in a different location. We were in the Bond Secures. Which is a private hospital here in Galway. Yeah, the consultant suites out the back. And so Niall had rooms there. And so I was kind of rotating around his schedule when he wasn't seeing patients. I was in there seeing patients. And yeah, we had we had started lean and small and a couple of pieces of equipment. I had like a diamond glow a dermal infusion machine which is just like an advanced facial we had the m22 the luminous m22 which is an amazing laser again it takes away the browns and the reds and remodels collagen and resurfaces fine lines and wrinkles and then we had this cool technology vectra there was only one one other in dublin where we can actually create simulations of patients faces and what they might look like if oh, they cool. go yeah and it really just being in the bonds really lent a lot of credibility to our brand mm. and as I mentioned I felt like aesthetics was really in its infancy at that point and taking all my knowledge all my experience and opening here yeah it just it took off it really did but we've since moved we're now located in Sean Mulvoy Business Park and we created a space. It's like 4,000 square foot. It is sheer luxury. We worked with the most amazing designer, Tom Laverty, Irish Time Designs. I think he's up for an award for it, actually. And it's state of the art. It's uh, two separate business. So Guy Plastic Surgery is one side. It's state of the art. Which is Niall McInerney's, is it? Yeah, the consultant plastic surgeon. And then on one side is Metastetics. And he is medical director to metastatics then as well. And then he's medical director of his own practice as well, which is Galway Plastic Surgery. So for the bonds where people coming into you in the bonds occurs because they were being referred to by a doctor? Yes, we were getting lots of referrals. Obviously the referrals were coming into Nile and then we would see the patient together. 
and he would decide whether or not it was safe for the patient to have laser. Yeah, just depends. Once they were cleared, like once we knew the lesion wasn't, which the lesion was benign or something like that, then we could move forward. So that's also what lent so much credibility as well, because lots of referrals were coming in from neighbouring counties, even from Donegal to Athlone, Sligo. Like we see patients from all over the West, even still some from Dublin. But now we're year base because you're out of that private clinic scenario. Like, can people just rock up and say, oh, look, I have a wedding in two months. Can you? Of course. Yeah. Okay. We weren't fully referral based either in the bonds. So you could have rocked up there as well. But now I suppose we're just in such a better location. There's free parking. It's easier to get to kind of around that area there by the G. There's like a bottleneck and it was just, yeah, it was harder to get to. I think we're in a really great location. The premise is just absolutely beautiful. We've got some new technology. We were the first to market in Ireland with it. I worked with it in the US and I tried to actually buy it when I got home in 2018. Very expensive. But the rep who I knew from Arizona was begging me not to buy it. He was like, if that machine goes down, you'll have no support. No one had it in England. No one had it in Ireland. He was like, you'll have no tech support and your laser could be down for two weeks by the time we get a part to you or someone, a technician. So I bought the second best piece of technology, which served as well. Botox, you do Botox. Do I have it done or do I perform it? No, <laughs> I wasn't even brave enough to ask such a question. Well, I'll answer both questions. Of course I have Botox and I don't provide it. You have to be an actual physician here in Ireland to provide Botox. So Niall provides that procedure and Dr. O'Driscoll, who we have in the practice as well, she's a GP. So yeah. And what age do you think you should... Because I know the reason why I ask is there's programs that I'm not proud of that I watch at home. Botched. No, Love Island would be one of them. <laughs> but one of the contestants that was in it recently had openly said that, you know, they, they've had loads of Botox done. And I thought, but you're in your 20s. That's mad. That's when, when I would assume, again, I've no background in skincare or anything like that. But I presume that at that age, your skin is still really good and fresh that you don't need to be going down that road yet. Well, that's the idea. So you want to catch it when it is looking really not so liney and wrinkled. You want to catch it prior because I've been doing Botox myself since I, for 10 years, I'm, when I was 26, I started doing Botox for my wedding and I had barely had any movement at that point, but it's kept me in that. It's almost re-educated my muscles to s- stop frowning here and stop over-exaggerating in this area, creating those wrinkles. Yeah. You got married in LA, did you? So I got married, actually, we we ran off and eloped and didn't tell anybody when we were very young, so probably 24. And so that was in America. And I didn't really tell anyone, maybe a couple of close friends. Eventually I told my parents because I was like, God, what if something happens to me? And they're like, she was married. I was already engaged. So it wasn't like we were running off into the night. So I needed to do it to actually become a citizen because it was really hard in America. Like we were on a fiance visa for a little bit, but that was running out. And I really wanted to work in Arizona. And then we got married in Dunebeg here in Ireland then later. So we had two weddings. Because I just wonder, you know, in LA, it was probably perfectly acceptable 10 years ago in your mid-20s to get Botox. Whereas I wonder in Ireland 10 years ago, someone in their mid-20s getting Botox, would that be strange? I don't know if strange is the answer, but I definitely have friends that have been doing Botox. They're the same age as me now and they've been doing Botox the same length of time, but they were in the industry. So I I think to everybody else that might have been definitely a little bit of a reach, you know, something that seemed a little excessive perhaps, but certainly that is not the thought process today. I feel like when we came home, there may have been some people that were like uh, older ladies being like, I will never do Botox and I will never do any of the filler. I'll fine. I'll do the little bit of laser and the facials. And then their daughters would come in and the daughters would have Botox and the mom might be like, She's beautiful. I don't know why she's touching her face. They were worried. They're unknown. What was she going to look like? And then it takes Botox 10 to 14 days to actually set in. So it's not like you leave the practice and, you know, you're no wrinkles. It's just it's gradual, which I love that about it. And who was sitting in the chair two weeks later? The mom. (laughs) Because she saw that her daughter looked the same. She just looked a little bit more refreshed. Mm. 
And I think back then we had like a private back entrance. Okay. <laughs> and we still have a private back entrance. And if if we like if we're doing some deep, deep laser resurfacing and where the skin is quite raw, we will tell someone's husband to pull up at the back because they don't want to go out and, you know, face everybody, which is it's very discreet. We definitely think people might be like, I can't sit in your lobby. Like, I don't want to be seen in your lobby. I'm very well known and just call me. I'll be in my car. Call me when you're ready. And I think that's changed. I think now when they see people in the lobby that they might know, they sit, they have a conversation, they chat. What's she doing? You know, and I think it's more acceptable now. They're not so scared of the unknown because they know we are, like I said, everybody sits in our chair is beautiful. And it's up to us to enhance that and to still make them feel like themselves but just a little bit more refreshed and well rested. But with these treatments, we'll take Botox first, because again, I'm, I'm curious about it and I know little about it. When you start Botox, have you opened up a can of worms where this is a treatment you're going to have to get every few months for the rest of your life? This is such an Irish question, <laughs> by the way. No one in America is asking that question. It's like Irish people are afraid of commitment or something. <laughs> it, like It's like going to the gym. I feel like I'm with that psychologist now. <laughs> So it's like going to the gym. If you like the results, you're not going to ask your trainer, now, how long is this going to last for and do I have to come back? Of course, you understand. You look good. You feel good. You're going to have to continue this process if you want to look good. But if you stop exercising, what happens? You typically revert to the way you were, right? The same with Botox. If you stop doing it, you just revert to the way you were. That is definitely, it's the number one question we get I have to continue to do this for the rest of my life. Absolutely not. No, you can do it. And if you don't like it, then typically those who have been overdone where there is too much product, they may have tried it maybe eight years ago and didn't like it. But no, I feel like we're very conservative. We have a very conservative approach. We do a follow up in two weeks to just to check it, to make sure. I mean, everybody's anatomy is different, so it's always great to do the follow ups. But no, you don't have to continue to do it. But here's something that I want to share. Just one of my friends who would have been getting Botox nursing and uh, had a baby and nursing and obviously you can't do it while you're pregnant. She still looks amazing today, even though she hasn't had Botox in two or three years. And I feel like it paused aging for a little bit. Mm. So you can break and you, you know, it depends what's coming up in your life. But what I feel is when we first started business in 2018, everybody was coming in because they had an event. Daughter was getting married or they were getting married. That's changed. COVID changed that. People are now coming in because they want to look good for themselves. I think we did a lot of reflecting during that time. And that's what I love about it now. People are just ringing up and it's like the first question I ask for everybody that sits in my chair when I'm doing an in-depth consultation is, do we have any events coming up? Because I don't want to be blindsided like she's getting married in a week and we've just done Botox and it's not going to be active. You know, so I ask that question. But now, no, people are like, no, just for me. And if you do the laser treatment then, we'd say, to remove pigment stains on the skin, is that always something that'll have to be done with every year or something? Or does a few sessions kind of solve the issue? So we typically suggest three to five sessions in the interim because we've probably a lot of damage to, to remove down through the years. But if you are religious with your sunscreen and your skincare and you're coming in for regular maintenance in terms of a facial, like I mentioned earlier, I tell patients, go, enjoy your holiday. Don't be so worried about the pigment that we worked really hard to clear. Protect yourself, reapply. And then we'll touch base again in November, December. If you need a little cleanup, We'll clean it up. It's fine. So they might only need one session at that point because they've been really religious about their sunscreen and they've been religious with their Retin-A or their Retin-All, which has kept their skin in good nick. What's Retin-A and Retin-All? Retin-A is a derivative of vitamin A, which is now prescription strength. It's a topical cream that you put on that creates change in your skin. So whether you have reds or browns or acne or wrinkles, it actually goes down into the cell, this particular technology goes into the cell and pulls up all the damage. So you tend to get a little bit of peeling and flaking with it. Not always. There are some products on the market that are much milder and you don't get peeling and flaking, but the results are beautiful, even softer fine lines and wrinkles and just a really pretty complexion. I, I assume at this in this day and age, you have blokes going to you. Yes, definitely. Percentage wise, is it more 80 female, 20% male. 
that's exactly what I was going to say. And it's growing. It's definitely growing. And having a male medical director, I think they feel safe coming in. We also created a space that's quite unisex. There's four plastic surgeons that work in Galway plastic surgery. There was a wait list back to 2020. I think they've cleared that. But a lot of these, there's lots of guys coming into the practice now. And I mean, they could be seeing 30 patients a day. We get a lot of foot traffic. And so typically depends what they're in for. It might be a, a little bit of mole removal or just a little cyst or something like that. Typically, you know, Niall will refer them back to us and say, this gent is going to need a little bit of sunscreen or a little laser just with redness. Or, you know, I think their workforce has become more competitive. In the last 20 years, definitely the market has grown by a massive percentage with men having these treatments. And I think they feel safer and I think it's giving them a competitive edge where they look a little fresher and they want to stay in the game. So, yeah, I definitely think it's growing, growing. We had discussed having a man cave as well, like the beer, (laughs) the game on. So they felt really comfortable. But anyway, we haven't needed to do that. I love treating guys because we're good listeners. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they'll do whatever you say, like, you know, typically. And they don't ask how much either. They just throw up the credit card and say, yeah, just I trust you. Make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we becoming more Americanized? I think social media has closed the gap for sure. Definitely. Some of the trends that I was working with in the US 10 years ago was so far away from where we are now. And that has changed dramatically with social media like if you want to find out what a germ is doing in LA just go on and follow them I think you know we no longer pay for newspapers or radio we're inviting influencers to come in or you have to be active on social media and so it's great I mean we can see what they're doing right there in Beverly Hills Mm. and so you, you started up your own business which was the dream yeah and you're four years on the go in a new premises for the last year how has that process over the last four years been? What have you learned? What, you know, what was the disaster that you learned from? What was a great success? I think hitting the market when we did was a huge success. Our location was a great success. Our technology was a great success. Our partnership, partnering with a consultant plastic surgeon was huge. The way we scaled, when we scaled, we were scaling during lockdown when everyone else was panicking. We were you know, on the phone to America, what devices we were going to get. We were going to come back with a bang. And we did. Now, you would have been closed during COVID, but this is the important thing, you were still working away during COVID. Yeah, we were in the design phase with the new premise. That was so exciting. It was, I loved the design. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Just watch the space. We might be designing somewhere else really soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So there are the things that went really well. What have you learned in business? Like what were the big learning curves in business for you? I think um, staying in my own lane, not looking at what other people were doing, because I think you can get really confused and maybe a little unsettled where other people are in their journey, but they may have been in business longer than you. You just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. What else did I learn? Uh, You know, I'm really great at what I do. I'm an expert in my field. I know I am. I'm really confident. I wasn't so great with the business aspect. I don't really enjoy sitting down looking at accounts. It's just not my thing. And I started to attend a group called Going for Growth, which was a female roundtable. I was on a roundtable with some amazing females. Ifniyoki, who was also in the Bond Secures, she's a pelvic floor specialist and she has been a massive mentor to me. Amy Connolly, sculpted by Amy, she was just on mm-hmm. the Late Late. She, right. she was on our roundtable and we still have a lovely communication group going. Jean McCabe, she owns stores and she used to be here in Galway. I found that going to those groups, I had to present my numbers, I had to present my goals and my strategies and that was huge for me. If I look back now at all my goals during lockdown, we were on lockdown Zooms that kept my head in the game. And I look back at all those goals. I've smashed all of those goals. I'd love to do it again. And anyone who is starting out in business, I definitely recommend that because you get these mentors. Breege O'Donoghue, the buyer from Primark, we were in her house in Lansdowne Road. I mean, and she was amazing, like uh, really, really great. Accountability, get someone to hold Mm -hmm. you accountable. 100%. And just... Not only that, but I think fleshing out ideas with people that may have obviously 
been in business much longer than you and having that support. Obviously, I have a business partner and he's great and he's, you know, he's really calm and he's amazing. But I didn't want to be bringing lots of the issues to him. I was running the business. I didn't want to be bringing silly issues. So, you know, you could voice them there and you felt safe and you felt seen and you felt heard. And it was just powerful females that had kids and were facing some of the challenges that you were. So I'm not an expert in business. I'm not. I'm learning every day, Mm. learning how to be a better leader and how do I support my team? I'm only as good as my team. And so another thing that we're doing actually in January is we're flying over. So I'd done this training when I worked for a plastic surgeon in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's called the Institute, Scheduling Institute. And they they help to elevate your team and we love to provide a five-star service for our patients. We have fresh pressed juices come into our practice in the morning. We offer that complimentary because I have a global approach into anti-aging. I mentioned earlier, I like to meditate. Mm. I like to get eight hours of sleep. I like to have an anti-inflammatory diet. I like to work out. I like to steam. I like to cold plunge. I like to do all of these things. And I like to bring that into an anti-aging process our age management with our patients. I mean, you can have all the Botox in the world, but if you are not sleeping and if you're not eating correctly, you know, you're not going to get the benefit of that. So we have that five star customer service and I'm always trying to elevate the team. And of course, when you look at the location and you look at our design and our layout and the aesthetics of the practice, it has to match that. So yeah, you seem to have kind of put it all together very well in forming a business in terms of you know, having good morale amongst the team, training up the team, getting the best technology, getting over the best experts that you can, creating an environment that suits both genders of clients that you can have, having the public thing as well as the private thing if you need to go out the back door, even again, going back to setting up and getting that reputation in stone for yourselves by being based in the Bon Secours Hospital originally. I mean, it, it all seems to have been very well crafted in how you should be setting up a business and the attitude you should have in constantly excelling, pushing yourself and so on. So well done. Thank you so much. Before you go, Alma, if people want to get more information on med aesthetics, where can they go online? They can visit our website, um, www.medaesthetics.ie. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I had so much fun. I really enjoyed it and I learned loads. Well, that was fun. I hope you learned a lot from that podcast. And really, listening to Alma's story, I think it's all about just putting the key things in place to make, you know, having a strong foundation to make a successful business. So many thanks to Alma McGrath of Metastetics for joining us on Gary Talks. Thank you for listening. And as always, we ask you to follow the show on whatever podcast platform you listen to the show. Uh, Please do send us a review as well. Give us a nice five star rating, which is great encouragement on a Tuesday night or 5 a.m. on a Wednesday morning when I'm trying to just finally put these episodes together that it's it's worth staying up late um, when everyone is fast asleep in bed or getting up very, very early in the month of November when it's cold and dark and everyone is still asleep in bed and you're trying to kind of put the final touches together for a podcast, which hopefully is bringing some value to you because that's the whole idea as I've said many a time regarding Gary Talks it's that you can come away from listening to the episode with at least one nugget of wisdom that you can bring into your life to help you in your career Uh, and if you run a business as well that it'll help you do so in a much better fashion finally we're on LinkedIn TikTok and Instagram so you can follow Gary Talks there until I talk to you next time take care bye bye